COVID issue for all women. Hello, hello, Mickey here, once more welcoming you to the Sunday Chops. This week, I caught up with Frances Scott, the woman behind 5050 Parliament, which is a brilliant campaign working with all of the UK's political parties to help women progress in politics in order to build a better democracy. I think we can all agree it needs to be better, right? Right. Please, please bear that, and indeed a lot of the drums we bang on standard issue, in mind when you head to the ballot boxes on Thursday the 5th of May to vote for councillors, if you're in England, Wales or Scotland, or if you're in Northern Ireland, your government. Good luck, Godspeed, break a leg, all of that. So yeah, as you'll quickly suss out, I chatted to Francis before the grotesque Mail on Sunday shit show about Labour Deputy Leader Angela Rayner and the revelations that a Tory MP has been looking at porn in the Commons. I mean, in case you're in any doubt, that's a male Tory MP looking at porn in the Commons. Let's hope he too faces the terrors of the earth or something else from King Lear. Anyway, with that in mind, you may feel I go a bit easy on Frances in her response to the hostilities faced by so many female politicians. But in fairness, her part in all of this is to encourage women to stand for Parliament because women seeing the benefits and the positives of getting into Westminster is the only way a 50-50 Parliament will be achieved. And Frances is brilliantly, palpably passionate about making that happen. On which note, Ask Her to Stand is not only a key message and programme in what 5050 Parliament is doing, but also probably the most important key action we can all take. So, if you know a woman who would make a great elected representative, ask her to stand. And before you inundate me with messages, I mean, I'm flattered, but I don't think it's for me. Is it for you, though? Hmm? Hello, I'm joined on the Zoom by Frances Scott, founder and director of 5050 Parliament and a fierce advocate and campaigner for gender equality of representation. Frances, hello. Good morning, lovely to meet you. Oh, it's so lovely to have you on. Uh, We're chatting the day after Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Chancellor Rishi Sunak have both been fined for breaking lockdown laws and apparently don't think that's a reason to resign because why would they? And I just wondered whether sometimes instead of 50-50 Parliament, you fancied raising it all to the ground and starting again. Oh, well, yeah, I do think we should redesign democracy. And it all kind of started when my nine-year-old daughter came running out of primary school saying, Mum, Mum, I've been elected to school council. And I said, oh, wonderful. You know, she'd been campaigning and was looking for votes and stuff. And she was so proud of her success. I said, you're representing the whole class. And she said, no, of course not. There's always one boy and one girl on school council because our experiences are different. She then elaborated, the boys don't understand the dilemmas of whether girls should wear trousers or skirts to school, and we don't understand why the boys' toilets get so dirty. (laughs) I mean, it remains a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, you know, uh, so in answer to your question, and I just kind of thought at that point, ka-ching, ka-ching, why don't we just have inbuilt gender equality of representation within our democracy they get it at primary school women's lives our experiences our opinions the contribution that we make to society is just as important as men's but we do not have the seats at the tables of power so the contribution that women make is not fully explained or recognized And representation shapes policy. 
So it's absolutely essential that women have equal seats and equal say. We want to build the future together with men. So I would probably start again, but we can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Sadly, we're stuck with what we've got. But let's start with the basics. Could you tell the listeners about 50-50 Parliament? Like, what is it? Okay, 50-50 is now a charity and we are a friendly network of people here to help women progress in politics. We run two programs, our Ask Her to Stand program. There's plenty of evidence that women need to be asked and encouraged and supported to go into political life. So we would like everyone to go out and ask women to stand. And then our second program, which really is the most important one, is called Sign Up to Stand. So if women go to our website and click Sign Up to Stand, we do four things. The first thing we do is send them a personal political profile, which is a kind of list of ideas about how to progress in politics. The second thing that we do is allocate a 50-50 buddy because uh, a bit like taking the plunge into the sea. You know, if you're going scuba diving, you need a buddy. If you go plunging into politics, it's useful to have someone at your side who's taking the plunge too. Then the third and really important thing that we do is we offer weekly bite-sized meetings and these are party-specific bite-sized meetings these are over zoom online where you meet a group of like-minded women and you discuss and learn about how to progress within your own given party because all the parties operate slightly differently and then last but not least we offer bespoke support to women who face higher hurdles women from minority groups And uh, again, this is a group of women who are there to support each other. So it's called that we call it the 50-50 network. It's a network of support. You know, the old boys network has existed forever. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to create here is a different kind of network of people to help give guidance, pointers to help women progress in politics. I love that 50-50 is non-partisan as well, even though, you know, I'm like people who listen to the podcast on a regular basis have no doubt that we are all left of centre and that's fine. But it's so important that if we're asking women to stand because we want that representation, that it is across the board. Oh, absolutely. This is about building democracy, a better democracy and uh, making sure that our government draws upon the widest possible pool of talent, including 50% of the population, that's 32 million women that live and work in the UK. And women, like men, have a varying range of political opinion. And it's all about respectful debate. And this is key in a democratic process. We need to accept and understand that people have different solutions to problems. And that actually, it's only by discussing them and ultimately collaborating in some way that we will solve problems so yeah we work with all the political parties and some parties need uh, more help in addressing this particular problem than others (laughs) that was very tactful I liked it And Francis, I am here for debate and chatting through things because it is the only way we get to solutions. I just I just wish people on Twitter felt the same. Absolutely. You know, it is about building a pipeline and 
women are coming forward. Every day women are clicking sign up to stand with us. We now have over 2,500 women who want to progress in politics. So don't tell me that women aren't interested. Yes, we've got some great women out there who are interested. And um, it, you know, our job as a society, as people, is there to support them. And historically what has happened is that women have supported men into politics and public life. Mm -hmm. And what we now need is men to be supporting women into public life. That means that men need to be doing some of the unpaid work so that women can, you know, progress. And that that actually has to happen across the board. But it's particularly clear in political life that you need a supportive partner or supportive family, supportive people around you, if you're going to be able to sort of cut the mustard. Can we talk about what you term the four R's and why they are so important for a well-rounded society? Oh, yeah, most definitely. The four R's. Yes, I talk about representation, resources, responsibility and respect. These are the reasons why we need gender equality of representation representation shapes policy. Take, for example, equal pay. It was women at Westminster that had to fight for that legislation. Mm -hmm. It was women outside Westminster that were demanding it, the Dagenham women. But it was Barbara Castle at the end of the day that had to bring that forward. More recently, pay transparency. It was women at Westminster who insisted that it's possible for everyone to be able to see how much other people are paid. And my word, the BBC women got quite upset when they learned how much their sort of colleagues were being paid, their, their male presenters. Yeah, we tried to carry Gracie, who was astonishing, yeah. You know, it makes a difference, but you can't fight for equal pay if you don't know how much exactly. uh, the men are being paid. So, you know, it was a well-kept secret, like most of this stuff, by the way. So when President Obama was asked, why is the tax on tampons? And tampons, by the way, were being taxed as a luxury product. And he said, well, because men were making the laws when those taxes were passed representation shapes policy and women should be able to voice their opinions and feed into policy on all matters because all matters affect women mm -hmm. the environment the economy social care these questions are as important to women as they are to men so we should be able to voice our opinions and feed into policy for everything resources a hard democracy our leadership should draw upon the widest possible pool of talent. Women are half that talent pool, 32 million of them. We make up at least 50% of graduates, 60% of law graduates. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that our legislative body is not drawing upon these resources. And if it's not, we have to ask why. As an institution, it should be out to attract talent, including the female talent that's out there. That's the second one, resources. The third one, it's about responsibility. It's our world too. It's not just a man's world. It's a woman's world too. It's a joint responsibility to forge the future. We have to protect the planet. We have to build a better future for our children. So we need to step up and participate in building the future together. Definitely. And men need to, to step aside and allow us to participate. And that comes to the final 
really important thing. It's about respect. Parliament, government, those in leadership or power should be showing respect for women. Our opinions, our life experiences, and what we can bring to the table. We bring something different. I love the fact that men and women are different. So we need the best of both running the country, building the future together. And that's the kind of vision I have. That was barnstorming. Thank you so much. And on that last point, it's so key. It is so key. So the last few years over the pandemic in particular have been hugely frustrating. It's always so very clear when there aren't enough or indeed in some of the emergency committees that were held around COVID and lockdowns, any women in the room making decisions, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and the irony is, of course, that 90% of nurses are women. So the people on the front line, the people who really knew what was going on with COVID were the women, and they were risking their lives to Mm. um, nurse and care for people. So, yes, men and women bring different talents to the table and different experience so we should have equal seats and equal say. The lack of consideration around childcare when people were homeschooling or having to work from home was just astonishing and that's why it set women back so much like it just all fell to women again because there were no women in the room making the decision of okay well we can tell people to work at home but what are we going to do about childcare? If, you know, everyone's in the house at once, it was absolutely staggering. Again, it comes back to parenting. And in fact, parents are underrepresented at Westminster and in most sort of government bodies. And we need to ensure that all our systems are family friendly. But to do this, you need 50-50 parenting. And you need to be ensuring that we all understand and respect the important part that unpaid work plays in building society. Mm -hmm. We need to be making this a priority. How we raise our kids, how we raise the future generation is really important. And in the past, that's fallen to women. But women want to be financially independent. And rightly so, they should be. But that means that men need to participate in the unpaid work. The unpaid work is just as important as the paid work. You know, in a way, what COVID did, and I hear you about the childcare, and maybe, of course, because of historic role modelling, women fall to the childcare. But in fact, many modern men I know are great at childcare, great parents. We all need to be basically trying to encourage men to participate in this work more. Absolutely. It's that thing of not only do we need a societal shift because these historic gender stereotypes and role models are so hard to break, social conditionings so hard to break. But if we see it in Parliament, if we see it in Westminster and then it affects policy, then it makes those societal shifts much more likely to happen, right? No, you're absolutely right. These stereotypes, they're ingrained and, you know, the personal is political. It needs to be top and bottom. For women to succeed, there has to be support from family, 50-50 parenting. And for women to succeed, the leadership need to be demonstrating a true commitment to that particular cause. Oh, hear, hear. 
You launched the initial 50-50 petition in November 2013 and we've had three general elections and of course quite a few other elections since then. So where does Parliament stand now on representation as far as stats are concerned? Okay, okay. I launched it in 2013, although I had been ruminating on it for about five years before that. As I say, it kind of started when my daughter, age nine, came bounding out of primary school. And I kept talking to people about it. And the thing that was interesting was not everybody agreed, even women. Quite progressive women didn't really seem to agree or think it was important. But I couldn't let go of it. I'm an antenatal teacher. I was very concerned about maternity services. And... um, I couldn't let go of it. And then an older daughter said to me, oh, mum, stop talking about it. Do something. Uh, (laughs) Launch a petition or something. She was going to university at that point. And she told me about the No More Page 3 campaign. And I had grown up, you know, used to having to accept Page 3 of the Sun. Mm -hmm. When I was in business, I just accepted the sort of ingrained endemic sexism that occurs in business. I mean, I'd had an international business career. And you just kind of turned a blind eye. I was so impressed with the No More Page 3 campaign. Here was a young woman saying, no, this is not acceptable. We don't want it anymore. And um, I then read Everyday Sexism by Laura Bates. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, here are these young women. And it was Lucy Ann Holmes who'd set up the No More Page 3 petition. And so my daughter said, just copy her. So I copied her. I copied, I put up a petition. I got some T-shirts made. And it was in February 2014. I went to my first demonstration in the T-shirt. Baroness Scotland was there and she saw me in the um, crowd and she came down to meet me and she said, oh, wow, that's just what we need. And she borrowed a T-shirt and she had a photograph <laughs> with me. And I thought, oh, my word, if a, para- you know, a baroness, a peer of the realm actually recognizes that this is an important issue then it must be well at that point men outnumbered women three to one in the commons i mean i just could not believe it when i saw the statistics i think as meryl street once said laconically the statistics reveal the sexism i mean it just made me so angry and it i just understood then why policy just had no understanding of women's lives um so since then Yes, uh, it's definitely improved, thank goodness. Obviously, I would like to take the credit, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's bit, perhaps a bit down to sort of 50-50, but all sorts of things. Actually, the SNP brought a load of women down from Scotland to Westminster in 2015. That changed the face of Westminster significantly. Right. So when I set up the petition in 2013, men outnumbered women three to one in the House of Commons. There were only 147 women at Westminster. There are now 225. So women account for around 35 percent of the total. But that's still not enough for me. You know, women are still (laughs) outnumbered two to one. Um, So for fair and equal representation, we need another 100 women to gain seats. I mean, totally. You called 50-50, not give us a third. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so that's what we're setting out to do. Encourage women to come forward, support them when they do. Encourage them to stay. You know, we need to say to the women who are at Westminster, we need you there. Please keep calm and carry on. Yeah, so it's getting better, but not quickly enough. You know, the BBC, after the 2019 general election, said a record number of women make it to Westminster 
but it was only 12 extra. And at that rate, it's going to take till 2040 for there to be gender equality of representation. You know, I'll be dead and my <laughs> daughters will be old. There's too much at stake. We can't wait that long. That's why, you know, we've just got to keep campaigning, keep encouraging women. And, and you know, 50-50 is making a difference. Of those 12 extra women, six were part of our Sign Up Stand program. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was before we'd really got going. I mean, we're really, we've only just got charitable status. That happened in uh, September last year. We've had funding now for three years, but I didn't start this up with the idea that we'd be solving the problem. I wanted others to do that. (laughs) But... uh... You mentioned your two daughters who have been a huge impetus. One, your younger daughter actually giving you the idea of actually this needs to change. And your older daughter going, oh, mum, just stop talking and do something, which is amazing. And you also mentioned Laura Bates, who is astonishing. We love her on Standard Issue, obviously. And I'm going to chat to her in a couple of weeks, actually, about her new book, which is called Fix the System, Not the Women. And you're sort of doing a bit of both, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah quite you know I mean the problems are systemic fixing the system is a very difficult but you can only do it if you're there as Hillary Clinton says to get the sexism out of politics you need to get more women into politics well let's so. talk about that because looking at politics as it stands I think how the public treat politicians, no matter what I, you know, I personally think of the people in charge right now, how the public treat politicians means I can see why women and people would be reluctant to stand. Not least, you know, the murder of Joe Cox in 2016, the murder of David Amos last year, the rape and death threats received by Diane Abbott, Rosie Duffield, Jess, I mean, I could go on. So how do you convince women? How do we convince women thinking about standing that it is totally worth the hurdles and the hostilities well we do hear a lot about the bad stuff but actually if you talk to female politicians it's a great job in fact why do all the men want it because it's a good job you manage your own time it's quite well paid you get good expenses You can pick and choose the issues that you choose to campaign for. Mm -hmm. You can make a real difference to people's lives. It's a fantastic job. There's a huge variety. It's really interesting. You have career prospects if you, you know, once you're no longer at Westminster, all sorts of opportunities Mm -hmm. open up. You can make real positive change for your local community and the nation. Lindsay Hoyle was on the radio yesterday. He's the Speaker of the House of Commons. And he was saying, actually, most people who go into politics are there because they care. Mm -hmm. They really want to serve their constituents and the people that they're there to represent. They want to listen and do the best that they can for them. He was also saying that we do need to build a more respectful atmosphere And that's kind of down to all of us, in fact. We need to recognise that we might not share the same opinion, but that doesn't make us an awful person. 
there's an organization called Compassion in Politics, headed up by Jennifer Nadell, that's calling for a sort of more reasoned, respectful debate. It's kind of important not to take some social media too seriously. <laughs> My husband used to say, ironically, Twitter's for twits. So you just don't take that too seriously. But I have found with 50-50, engaging in social media is also incredibly powerful. Mm. And dare I say it, old word, liberating. When I set 50-50 up, I was able to communicate with MPs in a way that might not have been possible in the past. So it is important to engage with these new methods of communication. It offers us huge potential. And I understand if people feel personally threatened. And it, as I say, Lindsay Hoyle was even saying, some MPs perhaps now don't want to offer one-to-one personal surgeries but we can do it over Zoom. Yeah. You know, there are many ways to communicate with people. And there was another wonderful young member of the Scottish Parliament who was um, at one of our events. And she was explaining that COVID provided her with the opportunity to get elected. She had been homeless. She doesn't have much money. But she was campaigning in the largest constituency in Scotland, the Highlands and Islands constituency. She would not have been able to afford to travel all over that constituency pre-COVID. But during COVID, she could communicate with her electorate or the electorate via Zoom. And they elected her. There's so much to be positive about with our modern means of communication. It should improve our democratic processes. I don't think we've got to be fearful about them. I think we need to grasp this fantastic opportunity. So, Francis, why haven't you stood? <laughs> you know, absolutely. When I I was frustrated about policy and everything, and I thought, oh, you know, and I considered it. But then I looked at the institution and I thought, no, this institution is not even going to care about the stuff I care about. At that point, maternity services, parenting. Because... Most people there haven't really got an iota of experience of maternity services or parenting. We've got to change the system. We've got to change the makeup of the place. That's when I started thinking, how could we do that? I talked to friends. As I say, it took a few years, really. And finally, it was a young man, actually. He he came back to one of my postnatal classes bringing his daughter, his baby daughter, and he asked me how I was. I said, oh, my head is pounding with politics. I just think this should be, you know, and he said, oh, really? And I said, oh, are you interested in politics? He said, yeah, I did PPE at Oxford. I thought, oh, wow, one of them. And I said, I just think this should be gender equality of representation. He looked at me and he said, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Never (laughs) thought about it before. And he'd studied PPE. (laughs) Just excuse me while I bang my head on this brick wall. And anyway, he went away and the next day he sent me an email. He said, do you know the domain name 5050 Parliament's available? And I had been thinking, you know, what do we call this? He said, you might want to register that. Unfortunately, I had set up websites before. I used to run something called the Birth Education Network. And so I knew all about this kind of IT I just did it uh, and registered the domain name. And that was another turning point, really. And it was all down to Stuart who studied PP at Oxford. So 50-50 Parliament, we've got you doing that instead of you being an MP. Is that what you're telling me? 
Yeah, we need to change the system, coming back to Laura Bates, fix the system. We only need one in 100,000 women at Westminster uh, for gender equality of representation. So most people don't want to get involved in politics in the same way that most men don't want to get involved in politics. Most women don't want to get involved in politics. No, but we just need that pearl, that one in 100,000. And we need to be there supporting her through the system and saying, yes, please do it for your country, do it for the world, do it because you care about women, but you care about people and you care about the future. It's a really important role. And if you've got the passion and you think you might stand, then we're here to help you. Sign up to Stand with 5050. And we want everyone to join our movement. You just have to click join and then you'll hear about our events. You don't need to be that person that wants to stand, but you want to be a person who wants to help women to stand. And we have men in our movement too, many great men who are here to support women progress to elected office. All right then, Francis, where is that website? Where can people find out more, please? (laughs) www.5050parliament.co.uk Thank you so much for chatting with me. Your passion is contagious, which is a word I don't use lightly in COVID times. But yeah, it's an absolute joy to hear your passion for what you're doing. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Standard Issue for All Women.